Hi Trinity, uh, thank you very much for watching this edition of Theology Thursday. Uh, I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that you're going to spend a few minutes together as we talk about uh, the Holy God, the Holy Spirit. How awesome He is. What is He doing? What will He be doing in the future? What was He doing in eternity past? If you remember last week, we talked about Jesus. Uh, what was He like when He was on earth? What was He like in eternity past? And what will He be like in eternity future? Um, so it's, it's a great thing, and we're going we're gonna to enter into this conversation and talk about the Holy Spirit, who might be the more mysterious of the Trinity to us. Um, that's probably true of modern believers, but the Holy Spirit is not very mysterious in Scripture. Uh, when we take a look at who He is, the things that He is doing, the things that He has done, and the things that He's going to do, uh, there's not a lot of mystery there. Um, and we want to start out by saying this. We talked about what he is doing, what he is going to do, and what he has done. We need to make sure we understand the word he in those statements. The Holy Spirit, remember this symbol? Symbol for the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Um, one God, three persons. God the Holy Spirit is a he. He's not, he's not a force, not a force. This is not Star Wars. May the force be with you. He is a person. First thing to understand about the Holy Spirit is he is a person. We see that in scripture. We see that the Holy Spirit can be lied to. Remember the story of Ananias and Sapphira? Acts 5.3, but Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? We lie to persons. When's the last time you lied to gravity? The force of gravity. Can't happen. Doesn't make sense. Holy Spirit is a person. He possesses emotions. Ephesians 4.30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Forces don't grieve. Persons grieve. He has intellect. 1 Corinthians 2.10, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. He has a will, 1 Corinthians 12.11. And these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Holy Spirit is a will. You might grab a book that talks about someone's journey to heaven. There's one that comes to my mind where he says, I saw the Holy Spirit as a blue mist or a blue fog. No, do not. Don't go there. Holy Spirit is not a fog. He's not a mist. He's not a force. He's a person. And he's not just a person. He is God. He is God. He is Everything that it means to be God is true of the Holy Spirit. We said that last time of Jesus. We're saying that this time of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because they are God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all God, fully God. That means the Holy Spirit is everywhere. He's omnipresent. We see this in Psalm 139.7. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? What's the answer? You can't. You cannot flee from the Holy Spirit. He's everywhere. He's God. He's also omniscient, omniscient, all-knowing, omnipotent, all-strong, all-powerful. He is eternal. 
He is God. He does. We're going to talk about this in a few minutes down here. He is. Uh, he does the works only God can do. He creates. He sanctifies. He makes us holy. He gives us the new birth. He regenerates us. Only God can do these things. And He is equally associated to the other members of the Trinity. Okay? We see this Matthew 28. Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 13, 14 says it this way. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Now, so he's a person. He is God. What does he do? How does he interact with us? What does that look like? Well, we've got a really cool Hebrew word that describes God the Spirit. It's this, ruah. R-U-A-C-H. Ruach. Ruach. Okay? Now, this is, I'm going to try to pronounce this right, this is an onomatopoetic word. Onomatopoetic word. Have you ever heard of that? Onomatopoetic words means these are words that were created to sound like what they are saying. Sound like what they are meaning. So, Ruach. What the idea is, Ruach means breath, energy, life, power. So when you say that, the sound that comes out of your mouth, the goal is to sound like breath, life. You know how we breathe? (sighs) Living things breathe. The life of God, the breath of God. In fact, the Bible calls the Holy Spirit the, the breath of the Almighty. So when you say that word, Ruah, Ruah. So you feel that cool? That's the idea for the God, the Holy Spirit. That's how He interacts with us. Breath. We see this really clearly in Psalm 33, 6, where it talks about God, the Holy Spirit. He says this, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. And by the Ruah, the breath of His mouth, all their hosts. And that leads us into this. The, so eternity passed. What happened at creation? The Holy Spirit, along with the other members of the Trinity, are intimately involved in creation. Genesis 1, 1 and 2 says it this way. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. And darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Psalm 104.30, when you send forth your spirit, they are created and you renew the face of the ground. Send forth your spirit, the creatures of the world are created. That's what the Holy Spirit was doing in creation. Now, let's take a step forward. That's creation. What was he doing in the Old Testament? These are the first books of the Bible, the Old Testament. Um, What was he doing there? Well, in the Old Testament, we see the Holy Spirit. 
And the Holy Spirit acts a little differently then than he does now. What we see in the Holy Spirit is primarily special equipping of individuals for particular roles and ministries. Let me show you what I mean. In the Old Testament, we have a human. And the way the Holy Spirit primarily acts with these people is he comes... He comes into a person, empowers them, gives them special supernatural abilities to do one particular thing or another, and then he leaves. Okay, comes in and leaves. We see this in the guys who built the temple. Really cool passage in Exodus 31.1. says the Holy Spirit empowers a guy to, to create beautiful things. Isn't that awesome? Empowers that guy for a particular purpose. We see this in Moses and Joshua and the 70 elders in Numbers. We see the Holy Spirit empowering them to make wise decisions to lead God's people in that way. We see him in Judges, right? Samson, empowered by the Spirit to do some amazing things. We see it, the kings, some of the kings of Israel were indwelled by the Spirit in this way. The prophets of God speak the words of God in this particular way, equipping them for a particular season And we gotta be careful. This relationship was gracious and merciful. I mean, it was, think how merciful it is for for God to to be involved in a person's life like that. That's awesome. But it's gonna get better. That's, That's not what we enjoy now. In fact, in the Old Testament, someone empowered by the Holy Spirit in this way, Ezekiel, writes this about what's gonna come down here on our timeline. Ezekiel says this. God is speaking, and I will put my spirit, I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live. Isn't that cool? I'll be in you. And Ezekiel saying this, they must wonder, what is that like for God to be in us? They're looking forward to that. And it comes in our New Testament. And the start of this different experience with God the Holy Spirit starts with, you know who it starts with? God the Son starts with Jesus. The Holy Spirit's role in Jesus' life, we cannot say enough about the Holy Spirit's role in Jesus' life. He was at His birth. The Holy Spirit is the agent of conception. We see that comes to Mary. You'll be, over, you'll be overpowered, you'll be indwelled by the Holy Spirit. In that moment, in that time, Jesus will be conceived. We see His baptism. You remember that picture? Jesus comes into the water. We see God the Son. We hear God the Father. And God the Holy Spirit anoints Jesus in the form of a dove, comes down onto Jesus. We see the Holy Spirit in Jesus' temptation. Luke 4.1 says, And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, right after His baptism, and dwell full of the Holy Spirit, he's a human like us, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And we see it in his, so he dies on the cross, doesn't stay dead, does he? Oh, thank, thank the Lord, he doesn't stay dead. He rose from the dead and the Spirit of God is the one who raised him. This is what Romans 8, 11 says, if the Spirit Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. So we see the Holy Spirit intimately involved in Jesus' life. You might hear some, some churches say false doctrine about 
about the Trinity, saying the Trinity's not true. Uh, it's just one or the other um, at a certain time. No, what do we see? We see God the Son walking the earth, intimately related with, with God the Holy Spirit. Intimately. They're both there at the same time. What does that show us? God is a Trinity. One God, three persons, loving each other, interacting with each other at all times. Now, that's what God the Son is. Jesus died on the cross, rose again, ascended into heaven. How does the Holy Spirit, how is He involved in our salvation? Now, don't be confused. I'm going to use the cross to signify our salvation. Okay, So, so we're, Jesus is ascended. How is He involved in our salvation? Now, the Holy Spirit... Maybe not a great, a great term that we like a lot. The Holy Spirit is involved in our salvation first and foremost in convicting us. Convicting us. Okay, maybe not our favorite topic, but super important. He convicts us of sin. He convicts us of righteousness. And He convicts us of judgment. Where do you get that, preacher? Man, that's, that's some hard truth. This comes from John 16, 7-11. This is Jesus' words Himself. It says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Died, rose again. He's going to ascend like we talked about last week. For if I do not go away, Jesus says, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send Him to you. And when He comes, you ready? He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. What's his role in our salvation? He convicts us of our sin. He, he shows us that we are sinful. He, in his gracious way, shows us the depth of our sinfulness. Why? So we will know we need a Savior in Jesus. He convicts us of righteousness. What does that mean? Wow, my sin, I am such a sinner. And wow, look at Jesus. Look at the righteousness in Jesus. Look at the righteousness in the Word of God. He convicts us of that. And He convicts us of judgment. He convicts us that if we stay in our sinfulness, we will be judged by a holy God. This is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. What else does He do? So, I'm convicted of my sin. The Holy Spirit opens my eyes. He opens my eyes to the Word of God. This is what Jesus says. Before the Holy Spirit opens our eyes, this is our condition. Jesus says this, Matthew 13, 15 says, For this people's heart has grown calloused. Now he's talking about a particular group of people, but it's true of all of us. Scripture is clear. It's true of all of us. Romans 3. For this people's heart has grown callous. You know you get calluses on your hands if you work real hard. I wouldn't know what that's like, but you probably do, right? Uh, the calluses, so you can't feel things. Right? That's our hearts. We can't feel the conviction. We can't feel. Without the Holy Spirit, we won't be convicted of our sin. We won't be convicted of righteousness because our hearts are calloused. Our ears are hard of hearing. They have shut their eyes. We have shut our eyes to the truth. That's what Jesus, is, that's what Jesus says. And now in Ephesians 18, we get this picture. We need the Holy Spirit to open our hearts. It goes like this. I pray... He's talking to Christians, but this is true of everybody. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of His calling. So to be convicted of our sin, to do anything about that, 
also takes the Holy Spirit opening the hearts of our eye, opening the eyes of our hearts so we'll see the truth of God's Word. That's why in our church services, we pray often before the sermon, God, you need to do something for us. You need to open our hearts because just if we, if we read the Bible on our own, we won't understand. It takes the Holy Spirit opening the eyes of our hearts for that. He also is involved in our regeneration. And our regeneration, this is the new birth. This is the, the washing away of our sins. Titus 3.5 says, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, because we just talked about we're convicted of our sin. We know we have no righteousness. But according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration, a new life, new birth, and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. And when we are regenerated, when we are saved... We are baptized in the Holy Spirit, not to be confused with baptism of water. Baptism by water is a symbol that shows we have been baptized in the Spirit. Baptism of the Holy Spirit may be confusing. I think some people get this confused, but the baptism of the Holy Spirit in Scripture is a one-time act in which the Spirit unites us with Christ and the church indwells us. It's a one-time thing, once for all, all time. 1 Corinthians 12 says this, Just as the body is one and has many members, all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, and we're all made to drink of one spirit. So, convicts me of sin, opens my eyes to the truth of God's Word, that Jesus is, is my is Savior. He regenerates us. We are new in Christ through our faith in Christ. We are baptized in the Holy Spirit. And maybe my favorite part, um, something that, that we all struggle with, I struggle with at times, we are sealed in the Holy Spirit. Sealed. Why do I love that so much? Because that means we can't lose it. That means if we are genuinely believing in Jesus, if we have genuine faith in Jesus, we are baptized by the Holy Spirit and we are sealed. He is our guarantee. 2 Corinthians 1.22 gives us those exact words. It says this, And who has also put His seal on us and given us His Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee? Guarantee for what? for our inheritance. So, this is what He does for us in our salvation. Now, what does He do? I'm, I'm a saved person. All this is true of me. None of this can change. What now? What does He do now? Well, now we're going to talk about two incredibly important things. Our heart and our church. I put these two things together. Christian, you got to find a church. Okay? you got to find a church. That's what the Holy Spirit wants you to do. Okay? He wants you to find a church. So the Holy Spirit acts in Christians' hearts and in their church. Um, he unites us with the church. We just talked about it. 1 Corinthians 12, For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body, and we're all made to drink of one spirit. What body? The body of the church. When you're a church member, where do we get that term? Member of one body what Paul says. You're baptized into the church. Find a church. He, so he unites us. 
unites us. He controls us. He controls us. Ephesians 5.18 And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. So just as if I ingest a bunch of alcohol, that alcohol will control me and how I move and how I act. The same is true of the Holy Spirit. If we allow Him as Christians, He indwells us and can control us in that way. But, I know what you're thinking, yes, we can resist the Holy Spirit. We can grieve the Holy Spirit, but we can also be controlled by the Holy Spirit. What else does He do? He produces fruit. He produces fruit in our hearts. He produces good fruit. But I say, walk in the Spirit... Walk in the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, but the fruit of the Spirit, what the Spirit produces in our hearts when we are saved, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Christian, we should be producing these things. Sorry, the Holy Spirit should be producing these things in us growing in these things. Yeah, sometimes we'll take a step back. We'll grieve the Holy Spirit. Yeah, sometimes that'll happen, but we should be moving more towards these things because God the Holy Spirit has indwelled us. What else does He do? He gives us spiritual gifts. Okay, why do we have this so connected? We're united to the church, but we are also given spiritual gifts for the church. 1 Corinthians 12, now concerning spiritual gifts, gifts given to us by the Holy Spirit indwelling our hearts, things like helps and mercy and preaching and teaching and administration, all these things that God has given you. What has He given you that for? I give you these spiritual gifts. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. You are given gifts, Christian meant to be plugged in to your church family so that you could be doing the work of the Spirit wherever you are. That's why you need a church. If you don't have a church family, Christian, uh, your spiritual gifts are just sitting there. They're meant to be plugged in to a group of believers. Now, this is what he's doing now. Maybe This is what he's doing now for Christians. What's he going to do in the future? We talked about it last week. Jesus is coming back. Come, Lord Jesus. Um, He is coming to bring a new heaven and a new earth. What is He going to do? Well, He is going to continue to indwell God's people. He will be with us forever. He is our eternal guarantee that we are the sons and daughters of God. He will be with us and in us. And He will also, the Bible says, He will also be... He will be on our King. Who's our King? He will be on our King Jesus. In, a king, in the kingdom of God, the new heaven and the new earth, he will, God the Holy Spirit will be indwelling us, with us, in us, and He will also be on our King, King Jesus. Now, maybe this is where you are here. If you're here, if you are a Christian, find a church. If you're a Christian, let the Holy Spirit, don't grieve the Holy Spirit, unite with a church, okay? Unite with one body of believers, okay? Use your gifts for the good of the church. Now, are you on this side? 
Maybe you're on this side. I pray that the Holy Spirit is convicting you of sin and the righteousness of Jesus and the judgment of God. I pray that He is. I'm praying that God will open your eyes. Maybe this, maybe the Holy Spirit has opened your eyes through the Word of God that we've talked about today. I pray that that's true and I pray that, that the Holy Spirit produces in you faith in Jesus that gives you a new life of regeneration. And I pray that you are baptized in the Spirit, that He comes and indwells you. And I pray that you are sealed by the Holy Spirit to be with Him and with me forever. He dwells in us forever when we dwell with our King, Jesus. We love you. I hope this has been helpful. I hope this has helped feed you in this season um, where we're not able to meet together face, face to face. And again, if you're on this side, I pray that God is doing this in your heart today. We love you. Check on each other in this season. Make it, uh, make it a goal to reach out to three of your church family or your friends. Tell them you love them. You're thinking about them. We love you. We'll see you next time.